Welcome back to Love God and Your Neighbor. Like always, I'm Laura Hutchinson, pastor of First Christian Church in Anniston, Alabama. This is the second installment of our sermon series, What is Truth in the Bible? And today we're focusing on Daniel chapter 3, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. When we read read the scripture today in worship, we had a bunch of people standing up front holding different signs, and each sign represented one of the things or characters in the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, of course, but also King Nebuchadnezzar, the golden statue, the furnace of blazing fire, God, and the angel in the furnace. And every time I said one of those names or phrases, the person would quickly hold up their sign. And every time I read, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, an entire musical ensemble, our musicians played a little chaotic tune. It was fun, and it brought a little humor into the service. And I wish that I could do it for you here, but it just doesn't translate into the podcast format, does it? Anyway, once again, we are spending time with a story that is probably that, a story but is rich with a divine truth that is important for all people of faith. I hope you are as interested in this subject as I am, and I pray that the sermon touches your spirit in a special way today. And so let us worship. Today and every day we worship the one true God. Today and every day we reject any pressure to worship false gods. Today we learn from the faithful ones in the Bible, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, May we show as much faith as they did each and every day. Amen. I will dwell in your promise in the light of your truth you're the hope that sustains me always safe here with you you are here in the valley you are here in the storm you're the Yet you hear my cry, and you run to my defense. I will walk unharmed, angels all around. I will trust and not be moved. In your protected I will stand and I will sing you're the God of angel armies heaven's wings over me you're the God of angel armies heaven's wings 
scripture comes from Daniel chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar made a golden statue whose height was 60 cubits and whose width was 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent for the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to assemble and come to the dedication of the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all of the officials of the provinces assembled for the dedication of the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. When they were standing before the statue that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, an entire musical ensemble, you are to fall down and worship the golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, and the entire musical ensemble, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Accordingly, at this time, certain Chaldeans came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree, and that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, and the entire musical ensemble shall fall down and worship the golden statue. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These pay no heed to you, O king. They do not serve your gods and they do not worship the golden statue that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought in. So they brought those men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods and you do not worship the golden statue that I have set up? 
Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, and the entire musical ensemble to fall down and worship the statue that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. Who, who, and who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to present a defense to you in this matter. If our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and out of your hand, O king, let him deliver us. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods and we will not worship the golden statue that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was so filled with rage against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face was distorted. He ordered the furnace to be heated up seven times more than was customary and ordered some of the strongest guards in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So the men were bound, still wearing their tunics, their trousers, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Because the king's command was urgent and the furnace was so overheated, the raging flames killed the men who lifted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up quickly. He said to his counselors, Was it not three men that we threw bound into the fire? They answered the king, True, O king, he replied. But I see four men unbound, walking in the middle of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the fourth has the appearance of a god. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their tunics were not harmed, and not even the smell of fire came from them. Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him. They disobeyed the king's command and yielded up their bodies, rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that utters blasphemy against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other god who is able to deliver in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So last week, we kicked off this sermon series, What is Truth in the Bible?, with a reflection on the story of Adam and Eve. We talked about the idea that something in the Bible doesn't have to be historical fact for it to be true, right? That truth 
comes in many forms, especially when we're talking about divine revelation. Today we move to a different time, a different kind of literature, a different story. This is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Thrown into the blazing, or the furnace of blazing fire, right? This story comes from a book that straddles the line between wisdom, or as the Hebrews call it, ketuvim. I think I pronounced that right, I hope I didn't butcher it. Ketuvim. Literature and apocalyptic that is sometimes grouped with books like Esther, Ruth, and Song of Solomon, and other times is paired with Revelation. It's both. And that's because chapters 1 through 6 are more along the lines of wisdom literature and tales. And chapters 7 through 12 are definitely apocalyptic in nature with their visions and all of that. So we find our heroes, and that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are. They're heroes. They are ancient superheroes with superhero bravery and faith. Well, we find our heroes living in the time of the second diaspora, or the uh, second exodus, when Babylon captured Israel, destroyed Solomon's temple, and exiled the Jews from Israel. These three young, exiled heroes find themselves enjoying a certain amount of privilege under the rule of the conquering king, Because their relationship with God gives them beneficial abilities, along with their pal Daniel, who is not mentioned in this particular story. In Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego's case, their abilities are wisdom, bravery, and the ability to reason with people in a way that allowed them to practice their faith in an oppressively pagan world. These abilities are given and then reinforced by God's unwavering power and response for their faithfulness. And each time the pagan king and his cohorts attempt to push the three friends beyond their faithful boundaries, they respectfully push back, refusing to yield even an inch in their loyalties to Yahweh. And each time, God proves to the king that God is indeed real and truly powerful. So as you can see in our scripture reading today, it's fun to read these stories and to celebrate the characters within. After all, this one in particular is especially written in a really playful way. But we have to remind ourselves that they were written in a world that is completely alien to us. W. Sibley Towner, who is a renowned Presbyterian Old Testament scholar, he says that between the modern reader of the, of the Bible and the Old Testament book of Daniel, there is a formidable gap that yawns between us. Although the tales about the wise Jew Daniel and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which make up Daniel 1 through 6, They are familiar and beloved stories, but they reflect a world about as congenial to our daily experience as the world of Arabian Nights, if you've ever read that. Theirs is a world of kings and harems and eunuchs, 
of bawdy pagan rituals and drunken adult activities, of bizarre methods of capital punishment involving fiery furnaces and pits of lions, and of strange experiences with dreams and visions. Even those 20th century readers who have passed through the furnace of fire or who live in the very same tormented segment of the earth's surface in which these stories are set or who have had their own strange experiences with dreams or visions, even they do not really know their way around Daniel's world. It is simply too far away and too long ago. So as we're reading the stories of this told in this book, we have to keep in mind that the context of the writers who lived some 2,600 years ago, as well as the context of the characters, is so foreign to us that we have to read it with a certain amount of detachment. It's also important to know that many scholars assume that these are fictional stories written for the purpose of teaching a moral or to encourage an exiled, oppressed minority population to keep the faith. Well, as citizens of these United States, now in 2021, we really can't know what it's like to be forced out of our homeland against our will. To be forced to eat foods that disgust us. Or to live trying to please a tyrant king. I'm willing to guess none of us in here has ever experienced any of those things. But we do know what it's like to live in a culture that pressures us to go against the moral code of our faith, don't we? As Christians, our scripture teaches us to be humble to love our enemies, to love all people, to love God more than anything else in life. And they teach us not to lie or steal or murder. And everything around us tells us that it's okay to lie and steal to get what we want. Just think of all of the political ads that come out during election season, or how many times a day you get a phone call from a scam artist trying to steal money from you. Everything on the internet and social media encourages us to be combative, judgmental, and even cruel to our neighbors. After all, they're stupid, right? Everything we see in movies and television fills our minds with violence, gratuitous sex and nudity, and unethical behavior. And just think about how many times we are led to root for the murderer in a story or to laugh when someone gets killed. We're sort of steeped in a world that doesn't share our faith-inspired values. And so it is so easy to kind of soak it all in without realizing that we're even being affected at all. It might actually be easier if our president announced that we had to worship a statue or else die. At least we would know where the boundary was, right? We could make a clear decision whether or not we wanted to cross it. I mean, either you worship a false god or you don't, right? It's very clear. 
Well, at the end of Daniel 2, which is the chapter before ours today, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were made officials in the province of Babylon at the request of their leader, Daniel. And so that is the position that they occupy in chapter 3, as is acknowledged by certain Chaldeans who maliciously accuse them of wrongdoing. They're in a position of great esteem, far greater than most of their Jewish neighbors living in Babylon at that time. So it is even more obvious when they refuse to obey the king's demands, isn't it? If they had been peons living in their own houses, no one would have noticed if they didn't bow down and worship every time they heard the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the drum, and the entire musical ensemble, right? No one would have noticed. But because of their position, not only was the pressure to conform more intense, but the amount that they had to lose was also much greater. That's what makes these guys such heroes, isn't it? It's difficult to stand against the status quo at any time. But when you're essentially standing in a spotlight, it is so much harder. And in their case, what they stood for was complete and utter loyalty to God. Only God. God alone. God wants us to have complete and utter loyalty to God as well. This is the truth that is taught in this story. When we're pressured to turn against God or God's commandments for any reason, God wants us to resist, to stand firm in our faith, and to declare our love for God and for God only. No, I'm not going to do that because that goes against my beliefs. Bless you. And keep you, go on your way, I don't judge you, but I will not participate. I respectfully decline, right? How often do we fall short of this goal? And I'm sure we all do at some point, and some of us more than others. And still, God calls us to choose Yahweh over anything or anyone else. So how does today's text teach us this? Well, our scripture says that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, where's Robert? Right? Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to present a defense to you in this manner. If our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and out of your hand, oh, king, let him deliver us. But if not... Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, and we will not worship the golden statue that you have set up. So in our story today, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to worship a false god, and God responded by completely protecting them from the heat and the flames. But history shows that this doesn't always happen, does it? Just think of the early Christian martyrs or the Holocaust. So if we know for a fact that faithful worshipers of the one true God are not always protected, then what's the point of the story? 
Well, the story itself tells us that the three young heroes did not themselves have the expectation of salvation from execution. The dominating motivation in the hearts of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is their utter loyalty to the first and second commandments, their utter refusal to participate in idolatry. Now, they are not so sure that God can save them from such a hopeless situation, but they know what God demands in any case. They are clear on what they must do, and it is that clarity and not their impending deaths that make them immortal figures. As Augustine put it, the martyr is made by his cause, not by his punishment. So the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego sets for us an example of what true faithfulness to God looks like. But what does it tell us about God? Well, remember the last part of our scripture when King Nebuchadnezzar recognizes the power of the Hebrew God and declares protection for anyone who worships him? It's not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who made that happen, is it? No, it is the work of God which leads Nebuchadnezzar in the subsequent verses to acknowledge the transcendent power and dominion of the God of Israel. If Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if their actions were responsible for Nebuchadnezzar's change of heart, it would have happened before they went into the fire. Instead, it happened only after Nebuchadnezzar witnessed the miracle. When we stand firm in our convictions, when we remain loyal to God no matter what, no matter what we're threatened with, very often people's minds and hearts are changed, but they are not changed by our actions. They are changed by the power of our Creator God. Does God always rescue faithful followers? No. Does that mean that this story has no meaning? Or that God has forsaken us in these modern times? Well, Townsend says no. For the stand of the three young men on principle was taken without hope of deliverance, but for the sake of fidelity to the will of God. Furthermore, the deliverance which God effects for these saints is not presented as a direct reward for their faithfulness. God didn't save them because they were faithful. Rather, God, his act of faithfulness, was parallel to, but not triggered by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Two faithful actions, parallel to each other, but not triggered by the other. Faithfulness towards each other. So from the human point of view, therefore, this chapter is a story about faithfulness carried out for its own sake, faithfulness for faithfulness's sake, about martyrdom by those willing to make sacrifice for principle, confident that in some way this sacrifice will be vindicated, even though how that way may come to pass is entirely left in God's hands. We don't know how God will vindicate us, but we know God will. The thing is, we aren't promised a miraculous rescue from harm when we stand firm in our faith, but we are promised salvation, aren't we? 
Many Christian traditions interpret the furnace of blazing fire to represent hell. In fact, in the Greek translation of this story, of this book, Daniel, there's a psalm tacked onto the story that is clearly implies that the furnace is hell. That may not have been a part of the original author's writing, but it is an interesting idea nonetheless. Whether the furnace of blazing fire is supposed to be literally hell from which our heroes are rescued, or it's symbolic of the hellish afterlife that we could be destined for, Daniel chapter 3 does show us that at some point, God does vindicate the faithful. Either God does it now, later in history, or in the afterlife. Regardless of God's timing, we are promised a faithful response on God's part, one that will grant us grace and eternal safety once and for all. So in conclusion, I want to end with Towner's words. He says, This story encourages us to be about our tasks of faithfulness and our great refusals so that we do as little as possible to participate in the destructive tendency of human against human, and so that we do as much as we can to demonstrate that those who are clear about their own identity as disciples can stand up against the glowering powers which require our allegiance to false and demonic claims. In the end, God's way will be vindicated, That is the faith of this chapter. And though we may go to the wall before the firing squad or into the heart of the firestorm, we can make such events meaningful, not absurd, by facing them squarely and denying on principle the right of the powers of this world to deflect us from the ways of justice and peace. May we all be faithful to the one true God in everything that we do and everything that we say throughout our lives. May we all emulate Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's bravery in the face of tyranny and idolatry. And ultimately, let us never forget that God's call to utter faithfulness will be met with a faithful response from God, possibly now, but certainly in eternity. Amen? Amen. Let's sing together our communion hymn, My Faith Looks Up to Thee. Faith looks up to thee.